Thank you for being here today. I know uh, they've talked a lot about storms and things, and each time we have a Sunday where there's uh, snow or other things in the forecast, we obviously always encourage each other to be wise, uh, but it's also such an important time for us to get together. We remember that, you know, Sunday mornings especially are opportunities where we help each other to kind of believe the gospel again, to, to actually believe that God is for us. It's, it's a time that helps us to be able to uh, strengthen each other and encourage each other. That's why it's not the same without you, uh, because it's not just through preaching, even though that's a key part, and it's not just through singing, even though that's a key part, and it's not just through our scripture readings together, though those are key parts, it's also the conversations that we have together. There's going to be something really significant that happens maybe in a conversation you have with somebody else or, or for our kids, you know, those of us who have, who have children, the chance for them to be encouraged and blessed in their Sunday school classes. You know, I was getting to share with um, a couple on Bible study on Friday night and we were talking about uh, how we came to Christ and, you know, I was thinking through, I was just remembering that I was five years old as best I can remember, when I came to Christ. But it didn't happen during Sunday school, and it didn't happen during church. You know where it happened? Well, kind of. My mom made me take a nap. Now, that's useless for me, okay? Especially as a five-year-old, nap was just a, a dirty word as far as I was concerned. It was just the worst thing ever. So nap was just me forced to be in one room. And uh, so I was laying on my bed, and uh, I remember I had my back onto the mattress, and then, just like little kids do, you guys know this type of thing, I had my legs up the wall. Why? It makes no sense. It's just what happened. But I was laying there, and what we had talked about in church that morning in Sunday school was going through my mind. And I remember just by myself, I thought about it, and I prayed about it, and I asked Jesus to come in and save somebody like me. I'm sure it wasn't the deepest theological prayer, but it was life-changing. So I just want to remind us, boy, there's just so many great reasons, and so thankful that we get to share time together like this this morning. And uh, again, it's not because there's such a great show or a great compelling uh, experience it's because God's called us to be family and we have chances to get together. I hope that over this Thanksgiving break, you have a chance to get together with family. I hope you have a chance to do the same kind of things. And I have a feeling probably you're, if you do that, it'll probably be just as chaotic. Uh, it probably won't be a great show and it probably may not even be a great experience in and of itself. The turkey may not turn out perfectly. Uh, all these things that go on, and yet it's valuable. And in the same way, when we come together, we just we know it's really it's really important. It's really valuable. I want to take a look today at uh, something that kind of applies out of Romans. Uh, I want to ask you, obviously, just remind you that this week, uh, Tracy and Mark and I we're going to head down to Connecticut. So if you need any help from the church or other things, you can contact any of our elders. Uh, we'll be down there through till Saturday. Then next Sunday, Heath is going to preach. And that's always uh, amazing. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll share in communion together. And Heath's going to preach. So I want to 
ask you to keep praying for, for him this week as he's preparing on that. Um, uh, so, you know, so we have kind of these things that are, that'll be going on uh, throughout our week. And, and what I thought about was today was to say, let's apply a little bit of what we've been looking at in Romans. And let's also take something that would remind us and help us uh, as we go into our week. So 1 Thessalonians, uh, we're going to look at verse chapter 5, and we're going to take a look at these real uh, staccato, these real uh, important verses of 16, 17, and 18. Okay, So uh, they're, they're really nice because they're, they're, they're succinct. All right, so let me go ahead and read those 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16, 17, and 18. And then this becomes, um, it's a command. It's something that should be true in our lives. We're going to talk about what it looks like in our lives. It's also a good encouragement for us to remind ourselves today as well. So it says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You ever wonder what God's will is for your life? I can at least tell you that this is part of it, okay? I'm not going to say this is all of it, but I'm going to say what God wants for you this week. As you're thinking through Thanksgiving, as you're thinking through getting together with family, as you're thinking through maybe uh, like I, I can look at in my life, family that I will not see this week. As I think through broken relationships, as I think through... Um, the, the joys and the challenges that sometimes happen when we get together with family and, and maybe we do things a little differently. Anybody in their families, anybody do anything any differently when you get together? It, I know for you it's never challenging to get together with your family, but sometimes for me, sometimes it stretches me. Sometimes it's, it's a challenge for me. And it gives us this, this thing to sit there and go, okay, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in all things, give thanks. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So let me pray for us, and we'll take a look at this. Father, help us today as we come to your word. God, we take these really practical things, and we want to be able to kind of think through properly how should we handle this. So would you, would you work in us today? God, would you help us to see who you are today so that these things are possible? Um, would you help us to uh, see, again, kind of what, what you're calling for us in our lives as we look at these things? Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. So let me just start out. Uh, I like to kind of give you uh, a picture. When we talk about these things, let me just ask this. When it says rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How easy or or how hard does that really seem to you? When you look at these three statements, how many people say, I can do that? Anybody? Okay. How many people sit there and go, I'm kind of 50-50. I'm not the best at it, but I can get somewhere on it. Okay, there's got to be a few people in here, because I know you guys. There's a lot of you here who you seem to, now you're like, okay, well, I don't want to raise my hand, because then it sounds like I'm super spiritual and I'm not. Uh, how many people look at this and go, that's hard. Okay, there's, there's a, yeah, there's a couple extra hands on that one. That's really hard. What makes it hard? Why is it challenging to rejoice always? 
<laughs> yeah, so if you look at these and you don't notice that these are not like, hey, make sure you rejoice this week. But instead, to take it and go, rejoice always. Pray. How about that second one? Pray without ceasing. That seems like a big one to me, right? Um, give thanks in all circumstances. Is that a hard one? That's a hard one for me. I, I have a hard time with that. Um, so I want to take a look at this, and I want to make sure that we get to see these well. Let me just cover a couple of things here. I want us to see, when it says rejoice always, uh, I want us to see, who's he writing to? What do, you, do you remember anything about the Thessalonians? Now, again, I have the advantage of getting to look at it during the week, and you guys have to suddenly deal with it in two seconds this morning. But the Thessalonians were... A pretty unique church. Paul was really impressed with them. He talked about how their love really had made a difference almost in the whole world. People were talking about them. But what else was going on in the Thessalonian church? Well, they were facing a lot of persecution. This is a hard place to be a Christian. And they were facing a lot of persecution. So he talks a lot about that. That ties in with where we've been in Romans, doesn't it? Suffering. These guys don't have easy lives. They don't have power. They don't have a great, you know, like church building. They can't hire pastors. They, they, they have all these things that are, are challenging for them. And yet, in the middle of that suffering, in the middle of that persecution, uh, and you can see that in chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, Paul really challenges them to rejoice always. And in fact, we're confident that Paul had taught them what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, uh, 11 and 12. He said, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kind of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. So let's take that into context, right? When he says rejoice always, he's talking about them rejoicing always. Jesus went on and said, why should they rejoice always? Jesus said, because your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So rejoicing always, let's just kind of take it this way. It's this conscious attitude of contentment and of hope and of happiness that comes from deliberately focusing on my circumstances. I got to see if you're awake because a couple of you caught that. A couple of you just weren't like, all right, uh, Deliberately focusing not on my circumstances, but deliberately focusing on who? On Christ. So his calling is to say, you know, if you're going to rejoice always, it's going to come from a conscious attitude of contentment, of hope, and of happiness that comes from deliberately focusing on Christ and the fact that there is an eternal hope and where did that come from? It all came freely from God. Did they bring it to the table with them? Did, did God look at them and say, wow, i got to have you on my team? No, they, they brought nothing. They brought sin and death and punishment with them. And yet, how can they rejoice? They can rejoice because... God 
did for them what they couldn't do for themselves in the most important area of their life, even if they didn't recognize it. So where does rejoicing come from? Rejoicing comes from us looking back to Jesus. So you can see how this ties in so much with where we're at in Romans. This is the practical outworking of Romans. Let me take this idea of God commanding us to pray without ceasing. Let's look at that and say, what does that command mean? Does this mean that every waking moment I pray? So I'm just picturing like moms, right? You've got maybe little ones in the house. They give you so much room and space to be able to think, don't they? To, to really be able to focus and pray throughout your day. Mom, 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 mama, mama, mom, right? That kind of thing. There's no, there's no chance for, for that. So, you know, and then others of us sit there and say, well, you know what, at my work, I cannot, I would get fired if I sat there and continuously prayed throughout the day. It, it just, I couldn't get any work done. So is that what he's calling us to? I think it's important to understand that when we have seen this word without ceasing translated, it's kind of interesting because the picture that's used of it, one of the pictures was when you have a really bad cough. Does somebody cough constantly when they have a really bad cough? No, it's not like they're, <laughs> you know, you know like, a, like a machine gun. But there's this sense that, that it, it, it happens often and repeatedly. So as we look at this, I want us to see that this call to pray is a call to pray often and repeatedly. But it's not maybe this picture that some of us might overdo it. You know, it also was used of repeated military attacks, like an army that would constantly keep attacking a city. So, so at least gives us a, a picture. What do we want? Well, Paul, Paul, through the work of the Holy Spirit, is saying you should be able to pray frequently and persistently. Remind you of one thing here. When God gives us commands like this, they're actually promises in disguise. God's not just sitting there saying, You should do this and you need to do this. What's God saying when He calls us to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing? when he says to give thanks in all circumstances. It's not just this is your job. What's the promise behind this? Yeah, there's such a reward in this. I was thinking through it this way, and we've used this phrase before, but God's saying, you know what? Do you want to have the very best life you could possibly have? If you want to have a life that is rich and full in the middle of suffering, in the middle of little kids who are, who are pulling on you, know, on you and sitting there saying, Mama, Mama. In, in the middle of work, in the middle of, of working on cars, okay? Because that, that's, that's, you know, that's frustrating work. You know, in the middle of all of these things, there's this promise that God says, you know what? There's this very best life to be able to stay connected to me. There's this great place that we can be in. So let's take this, this final command of give thanks in everything. Give thanks in everything. What is this? What does this call us to do? It means that in every situation, we are able to give thanks to our sovereign and good God and Savior because we recognize that God always does what is good and right and perfect. 
Can I really give thanks in every situation? Does this mean that I'm happy? Is, is giving thanks the same as being happy? No, it's not, okay? Those are two very separate things. Uh, Francis Schaeffer said this, uh, well, actually, Tim, Tim Keller, I'll go with Tim Keller, Keller quote on this one. It's one thing to be grateful. It's another to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel. Thanksgiving is what you do. So can I give thanks in all circumstances, even when things are hard or difficult? Even when I'm down in Boston for scans, can I give thanks? I can. So, so I want to remind us that, that these are the things. It doesn't mean that we're happy with every situation uh, or that we're just resigned to accept everything that happens. Does this mean that I should just sit in my life uh, you know, and, and say, just resign myself that, oh, well, that's okay. You know, that, that's, that's more than I can hope for. There's some super spiritual kind of way that we can sit there and say, well, someone, um, you know, someone stole my money. We'd be like, well, God's sovereign, and I should just be happy with that because that's okay. You know, is it, is it, a, is it an attitude of just resignation? No, that, that's not really it is. Uh, we pray and we work for change. But the question is, is, can I give thanks in the middle of this? Can I, can I turn to God and be grateful to Him, you know, when all the family's together at Thanksgiving and it's absolute chaos and, you know, my rolls are burning in the oven and, uh, I, you know, they were going to be the, the big centerpiece of this entire meal and now they're, they're a piece of something, but they're out in the backyard smoldering instead of, instead of being served. Can I give thanks in the middle of all these things? So that's the basic definition of these three things. And we also find out that this is the will of God for our lives. This is what part of what God wants for us. Sounds easy, doesn't it? If I just set my heart to it, if I just set my mind to it, I could have a hard job, a painful job, a difficult job, but I can just kind of force myself to rejoice always. I've been praying through this, thinking through this this week. So I've had that advantage. The other day, I ran into somebody that I knew, and they used to be a close friend. I think one of the things, just to understand for pastoral ministry, is one of the hard things is people who were really close friends, and now they're not. So, you know, if you ever want to understand what, what kind of, you know, gets to, to some of us is, uh, in ministry or, or to, to some of our elders, it, it's that challenge. So I ran into somebody that I hadn't seen in a while. And they used to be a big part of our life, and they're not now. And I had a good one-minute kind conversation and then they said oh i gotta go get more stuff and they left now i've been studying all week that i should rejoice always and i should pray without ceasing and that i should give thanks in all circumstances so i walked out of that time with them and i just 
you know, I rejoiced and I prayed and I gave thanks, right? I, I wish I could say I did. Instead, I had these little mental conversations with this person. And I don't know if you've ever done this. But kind of the, oh, I wish I had thought to say this kind of thing to them. Or the, let's get this dialogue and I can show them how much maybe they've, how they've hurt me kind of dialogue that goes on. Or, or I wish I could have just like walked past them and showed them, you know, I know I'm the only one who's petty enough to have these kind of thoughts or processes, but I can tell you that for the rest of that day, I really struggled with this. And probably the next day. That these were the things that were going through my heart and mind. Now, I know what the rules are. I know what I'm supposed to do. Why is it so I'll tell you what I think. The reason, at least for me, biblically, that it was so hard is honestly, I'm not content with God being God. Now, that sounds like a big jump. But I kind of get it from Adam and Eve. I, I was thinking through. Adam and Eve have the whole world. They could do anything except eat from that tree. They had God's presence with them every day. And when they fixed the car, the car stayed fixed and there was no rust on it. You know, like, like I don't even know if there were diapers. You know, they, they just, life was awesome back then. There was one thing. And yet, what happened? Honestly, the very same thing that had happened to Satan. Because let's remember, where did Satan come from? He was an angel, the most beautiful, most powerful, the most gifted angel who sat in the very presence of God. And what happened? It wasn't enough. He needed his uniqueness. He needed his plan. He needed to have him be the priority. And this idea that God would be the priority and that he could be in loving service of him was not enough. He had, it, God did not know how special Satan really was, at least in his mind. Adam and Eve, do you see how closely it resembles that? Same thing. They had access to God. They had opportunity. They had the garden. They had meaningful work. They had the world. They had all of these things. And yet, God did not realize how special they were. At least in their mind. Now, do you think they're going into it this way, thinking this way? No, but what happens? They didn't even have sin natures yet, okay? But, but, but what happens, we, we sit there and say, in our context, well, that person doesn't understand how special I am. 
For God doesn't understand how special I am. And, and what happens to us is we begin to really believe this. As I, you know, so Adam and Eve fell because they said, it's not enough to be with God. It's not enough to serve God. I need to show you how uniquely special I really am. And if you don't treasure my worth, if you don't look at me and see that I am infinitely great for you, then you're missing it. And thus Adam and Eve said, we've got to eat from that tree because we've got to have the whole knowledge because what was their goal? They wanted to be God. Satan said, you could be just like God. And as I thought about it in my life, I realized I wasn't content having seen this friend. I wasn't content to say, God, would you be with him? And would you bless him? I wasn't content to say, God, I can rejoice always because you know how broken and how sinful I really am. And yet, through eternity, you chose me, and you drew me, and you changed my heart. And, and Corinthians, it says that you spoke, and you actually gave this light that actually gave life to my soul so that no matter what the rest of the process looked like, it started because you were the one who breathed life into me. You created something in me. And, and, and it's not because I've done such good things. It's just this special gift in the world. It's an amazing thing that you would want me. But at that moment, when I'm looking at that friend and thinking about, here's how much they've hurt me. They didn't realize how unique and how special I am. They rejected me. That's the real reason why these three commands are so difficult. I don't want to rejoice always because I want to be God. I've got a wonderful plan for my life. <laughs> and I want it to go well. God, I really can't trust you because apparently you've mismanaged things. You've mismanaged my world. You stuck me with this spouse. And, and God, you just didn't know how deficient they were. Or God, you stuck me with these kids and they're clearly deficient, <laughs> yeah, depending on the bad day, right? Uh, you know, or, or you stuck me in this job, or you stuck me with being like this tall instead of that tall, and if I was just that tall, you know, I would have made it in the NFL or NBA or Major League or whatever. You know, I, I, you misread things. You mismanaged things, God. If I were God, then the world would be right. But that's what makes these three commands of themselves impossible. It would be foolish 
to take these to our world, maybe at a Thanksgiving dinner, and tell our family, hey, these are the three things that you're supposed to do because this is God's will for your life. In a sense, it would be foolish. Why? Because human effort to try and accomplish these three things, though they totally make sense, cannot be done unless God has actually rearranged our hearts that new work of the Spirit that we talked about in Romans chapter 7. Unless God has come in and convicted of us of our sin, which we know is part of the process, right? Unless I really can look at it and see with pretty good clarity how absolutely just sinful and rebellious I actually am, is there any chance that I would rejoice always? No. Because if I see myself as being pretty good or pretty decent, I'm not going to rejoice because this world is broken. But if I am really clearly aware of my sinfulness, and yet I know that Jesus saved me, where would all my hope be? It would all be in what Jesus has done for me. Could I rejoice always? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the person who looks up and says, God, I can't believe it, you know, that, that I get to be with you today at this crappy job. Or, or I get to be with you today, you know, and, and, and get to parent these kids. God, I get to be with you today. I can't believe that you adopted me and brought me into your family. It changes everything the way that we see if we, if we look up and we realize that we've been saved by the work of Jesus on the cross, his death, burial, resurrection, and now ascension, and when we pray, we realize that Jesus is praying for us, the Holy Spirit is praying for us, as we looked at last week, we get to realize that we get to pray, and we get to intercede to the Father and call in air support. We get to call in God's work into our world. Man, that will move us to pray because we really are convinced of who God is. And that He's good, and He's gracious, and He's glorious. We get, to, we get to be confident of these things. On our human side, to try and take on these three short, simple statements, absolutely impossible. But with renewed hearts... These are areas where our hearts are going to what? Want to go. Remember we said that the Spirit is rewriting our hearts? The new covenant is that He would take out that heart of stone, the heart that doesn't care, and He's actually going to put in a heart of flesh, something that's soft and tender and rewritable. Man, all of our hope flows from that. But there's also then, that gives us kind of a, a testing point, doesn't it? When we look at these three things, if we look at it and say, okay, God, how am I doing at rejoicing? How am I doing, do I have a heart that loves to pray? God, am I giving thanks in the different challenges I face? These three things give a little bit of a um, kind of an MRI for the soul, don't they? Aren't they a gift to us? 
They're the very best way that we can live. But if I see an absolute absence of these things, what should I think? Something is disconnected between God and me. And what should I do? I should be afraid. And I should go back to God and say, God, please, I don't want to be disconnected from you. God, can you help me? I don't even know why. I don't know what's really going on in here, but I'm pretty, I'm absolutely certain that the problem is here, not there. So can you please work in me? Can you show me? Would you help me? Would you be that great physician and would you heal me? These three things assess. These, these three things are beautiful because they call us to the very best way that we could possibly live. So if we hear them today, we go, okay, I want that to be true of me. Don't we have the absolute right to go to the Father and say, God, would you help me this week? Would you help me to remember some of the songs we sang today? Because music is powerful, isn't it? Music moves right into the soul and helps us to remember some of these things. God, could you help me to memorize these things? God, could you, because they're short enough, right? You know, I mean, I'm still encouraging people, memorize Romans 8. You can do it. I know you don't think you can, maybe, but you can. You could, you could take down the grade 8 and uh, walk around with that in your back pocket on a day-by-day basis. I promise you that's way better than whatever's happened on Bachelor shows or, or whatever else like that. I can, I, it's an easy guarantee on that one, right? But, you know, it, but, but even these ones, you can start with and go, all right, I can memorize these. I can take this down. I almost got it already by, this, by the end of this sermon. God, would you, would you cause this? Would you do this to me? Isn't that a great part about how we can pray? God, would you do this to me this week? I'm struggling with this. Would you, would you create what you command? Would you actually somehow help me this week to be able to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, to give thanks in all circumstances? Because God, I want your will in my life. I guess that's what I really wanted us to share this morning. It's really not a call to guilt, but it is a call to introspection. It's a call to see that the greatest danger in my life is a lack of gratitude and a sense that God owes me something. And yet the flip side of that is like the greatest door opener the greatest thing that's going to give me hope and life is to realize that God has done so much for me. No wonder I am glad. We used to have a little chorus that we sang that went right off that. You have done so much for me, O Lord. No wonder I am glad. I sing for joy. Short, sweet. But isn't that where we want to live? I know it is. I just want to encourage you. God loves you. He chose you. 
He called you. He saved you. He is fully uh, involved in that process. And He is our hope in our life. He's done so much for us. No wonder we are glad. We sing for joy. Father, thank you for this truth today. I thank you that it points us to the reminder that you are so powerful. I thank you that it reminds us that no matter what circumstance, just like the Thessalonians were in, God, even if we're in the hardest, most difficult places, you've got the power to actually help us see you so clearly that we could, we could worship, that we could actually rejoice. God, that's what we want to be like. Could you help us this week? Could you help us when we get together, maybe for Thanksgiving dinner? Could you help us this week as we travel? Could you help us this week as we, as we, as we do our work? Could you help us today to even, be, even rejoice always with snow? Uh, <laughs> you know, that's the first testing point today. So thank you, God. Help us to look to you. Help us to love you. We're grateful. We pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen.